Praise God forevermore. Spring is about to spring. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, if you will turn your Bibles tonight to Ephesians 4.17, we are going to continue teaching our series, and it's going to continue for several weeks, about healing. We're going to begin to look into the depths of healing, not just that God desires to heal, but that God is waiting to heal. We're going to find out where sickness comes from, and uh, some of you might say, well, you know, it comes from this, it comes... Well, the Bible is very, very intense on revealing where sickness comes from. Ephesians 4.17 says, This I say, therefore, I testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, from this moment on, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity or the emptiness of their mind. They have their understanding darkened, therefore they are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now the devil is still in the business of blinding people. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and he can blind believers, and he can blind sinners. Now, man in his fallen state, in his separated state, in his sinful state, is totally unaware of who God is and what God's will is for his life. He doesn't understand if God is against him or for him. And it's like many Christians, even though we are connected to God, we simply are ignorant of the issues that allow us to live the life that God wants us to have. It is the revelation of the knowledge of God. It is the revealed, the unveiled, that which has the hard places, the misunderstandings, the ignorant places, lifted off by the power of the Holy Ghost that reveals God's will concerning everything about our life. It reveals the perfect, acceptable will of God. We would say the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Now we understand that before people get saved, the Bible says in Romans 3.11 that no man understands. In other words, he has no understanding of God, of his will, or of his purpose. And don't ever be afraid to reach out, dig out, find God's will for your life. Because as we, we must never allow man's opinions. And how many of you know today they're everywhere? I mean, I see on these television news stories... This is our expert, uh, what, an analysis about this or that. And, you know, they miss it, they're proven wrong, and they have them experts right back on next week. Dum-dum-dum-dum-dum. Yep. Dum-dum-dum-dum. Dum, 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 dum. You ever seen that night of uh, the museum uh, where that thing goes dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum? Yeah. 
And so, you know, these people say, well, you know, this is not going to happen, that's not going to happen, this is... None of them even know what's going to happen. They're just guessing. Well, that's how people are with their opinions. You are guessing about an outcome that may never come. And opinions are great if somebody wants to hear them but they're worth nothing if nobody is in the market for them. Could I get an amen? Yep, hallelujah. And then we have the philosophy of men. Men come up with their ideas about God based upon their own thinking. Listen, God is above your thinking. Remember, His ways are above your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts. So when you try to come to a conclusion based upon God's will, His perfect will, His good will, His acceptable will, and you do it without God being the center of it, you are going to miss God. Amen? There is only one place. Somebody say one place. It's not in education, and thank God for education. It's not in experiences. It's not in philosophy. It's not in opinion. It's not what you think. I kind of erased that out of my vocabulary. Well, you know what I think. I have found out that it is not worth any more than a mustard seed about what I think. I want God's thought and His opinion on a matter if I'm going to join to it or if I'm going to draw away from it. I want it to be established that it's by God and not by me. Amen. Amen. And that's what we're all after. We're after to walk in God's perfect will. The only place that we can get understanding of spiritual things and find out God's will is that we must go to the Word. Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed. Break the conformity, the unity, the thinking, the misunderstanding, that gulf that separates you from the love of God and the revelation of God's life for you. If you are ever going to get beyond that, then you're going to have to go to the Scripture and break the conformity. Break conformity. And the Bible says that we break our conformity, but then we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, the rebuilding of that which is right, that which is wrong, that which equips us to live in righteousness, that which separates us from the benefits of righteousness. So we need to come to the Word and allow the Word to give us new thoughts. Amen? Because when you begin to think on what God has said about any issue or any item, do you realize that you extract that which is in God's Word? Let's just say this. If you discover by His stripes ye were healed, by his stripes she were healed. If you discover that and you begin to think that and meditate on that, what happens is you begin to become that which you are thinking on. You begin to be healed. Now, it might not make sense, but that's what happens. You become transformed 
from that which you were to that which God has declared you are. And you do that by thinking. Could I get an amen? Now, let's go to uh, Exodus 23, 25. Now, we're going to be looking at uh, scriptures tonight, so please keep your Bibles open and fingers nimble. Ephesians 3, 25. And ye shall serve the Lord your God. He shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Now understand that God is dealing with a generation that has never known him. 430 years there has not been a prophetic word spoken. They have been silent. There are 400 years from Malachi to Matthew and then 30 years from the birth of Christ till his beginning of his ministry. So that is the 430 years that God has been silent. At the end of that 430 years, he himself speaks to mankind. He spoke to, to us through his son, Christ Jesus in these last days, Hebrews 1-2. And so after 430 years of silence, lo and behold, God speaks again. And he speaks very clearly, and he speaks very perfectly so that you and I can understand. Remember, Jesus said, I don't do anything except I hear or see my Father do it, and that when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. When God is unveiling himself in Ephesians 23, 25, he is also unveiling himself in the same way when Jesus starts his earthly ministry. Jesus came to the Jews, those that served God. And what did God do? God blessed them, God provided for them, and God healed them. Amen? All right, so we see something about God, that when we serve Him, when we serve Him, well, how much does that mean? That means when you serve Him. When you serve Him and there is no more of you that does not serve Him. Then He becomes the blesser of thy bread and thy water, and automatically, because He is your source, now realize that serving God means that He is the focus of all that you have faith in, all that you trust. And when you do, uh, I think it's Ephesians 15, 27 or 28 that says, that if you be willing and obedient, hearken unto my word, I will put none of these sicknesses and diseases upon thee. God is your protector when we serve Him. Amen. Now some would say, well, well, don't you think that's kind of hard? we got to serve God. No, you don't have to serve God. You know, it's kind of like, now the government suggests things, but everybody thinks they're commanding things. They haven't commanded you to do anything. You don't want to do it, don't do it. They haven't taken away your rights. They're giving you precautionary measures. You don't have to wear a mask. 
Now, if you're an employee, they say, if you're going to be in the building, you've got to wear them. If you're an employee, you've got to wear them. But any time beside that, you don't have to. Well, I don't want to wear them. Then you can't be an employee. You've you, you got to quit Macy's. You've got to quit FedEx. You've got to quit Honda. You've got to quit Ford. You've you just got to quit. And then you get to have the right not to wear your mask. But they aren't commanding you outside of a confined area. The same word that says, show up on time, and you do. Yeah. Now, your decision, they're saying if you want to work here, you've got to show up on time. You know, a lot of things that I did when I worked that I didn't like doing. I mean, they expected me to actually put my hands to stuff and do what they wanted me to do with it. I, like, man, you're taking away my liberty. <laughs> no, we're giving you food to eat. So we have to understand that when God says, look, you serve me, then we have to serve him. If you don't want to serve God, then you don't have to serve God. But God has benefits just like employment has benefits or safety has benefits. Amen. Let's go to Deuteronomy 7.15. Now, this is God speaking. The first five books of the Bible uh, are the Bibles or the laws of Moses. They are believed to have been written by Moses. Uh, it reveals unto us that God brings order, which is Genesis. God brings redemption and deliverance, Exodus that God has directions to worship Leviticus, and that God is a God of structure, thus the book of Numbers, and the reward of that is revealed as being blessing, and the reward of not doing it is the reward of the curse found in Deuteronomy. Now, in Deuteronomy 7.15, God brings Israel out. Remember, they have no concept of who God is. And so in verse uh, 15 it says, And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. Now, why is God addressing this? God is addressing this for the simple fact that people will live separated from the alienation of God and His life. And a part of God's life for your life is that you do not have sickness living in your body. Because whether we like it or not, we end up serving sickness, not by choice, but by oppression or by pressure. Have you ever woke up sick? So sick you couldn't raise your head up? Yet you were supposed to show up at the farmer's market? And you didn't go? Though you gave your word, committed to it, wanted to, you were going to serve God, but all of a sudden, because of sickness, you've had to transition who's in charge of your life. Amen. Come on. Come on, you, you all know, and I know, that when sickness begins to dominate our life, we are no longer our own. We belong to something else. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so God 
comes and he starts unveiling himself to Israel. Now, what does he unveil himself to Israel as? A healing God. God that takes sickness out of the midst of you and I. Now, let's just stop. God has made an eternal statement. In other words, God will not alter nor depart from the words that have gone forth out of his mouth. If he said them, he'll bring them to pass. If he spoke them, he will make them good. So as far as God is concerned, and as far as you and I are concerned, where our faith stands and comes alive, resists the devil, and fights the fight of faith is this, God does not author sickness in any believer's life. Could I get an amen? Now, he did not make any options. Well, you know, God uses sickness to bring us it. No, no. He takes it out of you. So he can't be using it if he's taking it out. Amen. Amen. And he says that he takes sickness out of the midst of thee. God wants this. He has laid an eternal stone in all of the existence of time. I am the God that takes sickness out of the midst of us. He can't change it. He doesn't change, nor does he alter his word. So God is a God of healing. He takes sickness out. He doesn't bring it in or permit it. Amen. Amen. All right, then it says this. And he said, and put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. How did they know the evil diseases of Egypt? because they had experienced them through the ignorance that was in them. Only now do they discover who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is. That's why God is unveiling himself by his word. And then notice what God says. I will put no evil diseases. Every disease has a nature of its author which is Satan, it is evil. It is evil. In sickness and disease, there is wickedness. There is badness. There is adversity. There are grievous intentions. There are vexations. They are troubling places. There is sorrow. And so it reveals to us that evil has nothing to do with God because, I mean sickness, because sickness has nothing to do with the nature of God. Amen? So God reveals to Israel, look, this is who I am. This is my stand on your behalf. This is my stand on the behalf of those that hate you. This is my stand on sickness. It is good, and, uh, healing is good, and sickness is evil. 
Those are basic Christian 101. Is that God is a good God. The Bible says in Mark, I think it's 3, 4, that when Jesus was healing a man in the temple, and they watched if he would heal on the Sabbath, Jesus asked the question, Sabbath is made for man. It's not made for God, it's made for man. And so man rests on the Sabbath. But Jesus said, you tell me, is it right to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? In other words, is it right to do good or evil to mankind? Is it right to kill man or to give him life? Each one of them were fulfillments of the commandments of God. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt do no evil to thy neighbor. So healing really is a contradiction or a breaking of what we would call a covenant with God. If God put sickness on us, then he would be doing us evil. But how many know that every good and perfect good comes from the Father above? There is no evil in God. Just put these things in your mind. And so when sickness and disease show up, they are showing up because it's some type of wickedness formed against your physical life, your mental life, your financial life, your faith life, as well as your family life. How many of you men wish you had $10 for every time you heard, I've got a headache? I'd be driving 1957 reconditioned Chevy. No, I'm kidding you. I'm just telling you that how many times have we had to cancel birthdays? How many times have we had to cancel vacations? How many times have we had to lose money just because sickness came? Absolutely. So God is against sickness and disease. It's not in his nature. Now, let's go to Acts 10.36. Acts 10.36. So God says that I will take sickness out of the midst of thee. Now, that's just who God is. He doesn't change what he did yesterday, what he reveals yesterday. He is still today. We have that proving induction when Moses is spoken to by God when he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does he say? I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Isaac. I was the God of Jacob. And what did Jacob do? God if you will provide for me as you provided for my uh, father Isaac, then I will give you a tenth of all that comes into my life. What did Jacob bank on? That God was an unchangeable God. And if he served him the way that his father Isaac did, that he would be blessed like his father Isaac. So that's why God says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because I have a pattern of not changing. If you want to know who I am, tell them who I was to Abraham. Tell them who I was to Isaac and who I was to Jacob. Why? Because he's the same. So God takes sickness and the disease 
out of the midst of us. He never authorizes any opportunity of the devil to rule us. And sickness is the establishment of the rule of Satan over a man's life. Let, let, we're going to come back here to uh, uh, Acts, but let's go to uh, Mark, the ninth chapter. Mark, the ninth chapter, and verse 14. Mark, the ninth chapter, and verse 14. And it says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. This man recognizes that sickness and disease does not come from God, but must always be attributed to demonic, satanic activity. And then he says this, and whithersoever he, he who, the spirit, the personality behind sickness and disease, he taketh him, that means he apprehends him at his discretion. The young man has no hope of going anywhere except it is at the bidding of this spirit. And it says, He taketh him, and he teareth him, breaks him, breaks open, bursts out. It means to lay open. He foameth and gnashes with his teeth. He pineth or withers away like a severed limb. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. Notice he understands that it is not God's will that that spirit be in his son. Or why would you come to get the remedy from a man that had come from God? He must believe that God is not behind this type of activity in his son's life. And it says that they should cast him out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long ago is this since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes he hath cast him into the fire and into the water. Now remember, the little boy didn't jump in there. He was thrown into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now here we see that this man 
realized that it was the devil. If we as a church could realize that sickness and disease is not just the titles that man gives them, but that there is a personality behind every sickness. There is a spirit behind it. Now some would say, well, you know, now not everything is a spirit. I do understand that. But everything that leads to lameness, being halt, being blind, being deaf, whatever it is, that is a result of sin, which was authored by Satan. Well, well, if somebody is, a, you know, shooting a gun and, and they go deaf, that doesn't mean that was the devil. Well, I know it. But you know what? If sin wasn't in the world, there would be no hindrance of God protecting that man no matter what he did. Well, if you run around naked, you're going to get a cold. Maybe it matters who's chasing you. I guess... No, but where did the cold come from? If sin had not entered into the world, then God would clothe you no matter where you were, and He wants to anyway, but Paul was naked. He was cast into the ocean, but he survived. So realize everything that happens to us, the devil, any evil, wickedness, harm, hurt, grievous intentions all come from the devil. Oh, well, no, don't try to rationalize it. It's over your head. And it's over my head. Now, here, here is a point in case. Go to uh, Luke 4.39. Luke 4.39. Luke 4, Does somebody have that already? Stand up and read it. You got it, John? Can you stand up and read it loud enough for us to hear it? Read it. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Wow. Jesus rebuked the fever. Who is he talking to? Who? A personality. A fever was considered a spirit that brought it into Peter's mother-in-law's body. Is that what it said? Of course. And then as soon as the fever leaves her, she gets up, she now has control of her life, and she ministers to him that brought salvation to her household. So, even the fever kept her from doing what she wanted to do and being in charge of her life. Made her a prisoner in the presence of Messiah. 